Hello there and welcome to this Human Life Podcast. I am Melissa Sanova and this is the companion podcast to the book, This Human, How to Be the Person Designing for Other People. I wrote this book a few years ago and one of the things that I thought would help those who follow my work and who are keen on diving deeper into the content that's in the book, which is really a, you know, it's a kind of a practical guide to how to be the person designing for other people, but also because of the nature of the material that it covers, it's a little bit abstract as well. So I thought I'd create a series of episodes that, you know, creates a podcast audiobook hybrid where we read through the pages and then I pause and, you know, embellish and tell stories and and we have a bit of fun. So we have been working our way through the book. We are on uh, page 141 and we're in chapter five, which is all about intention. If you have the book, that's great. And you want to follow along, that's fantastic. If you don't, also fine. Just listen along. All right, so page 141, dealing with distractions. Okay, see, I'm stopping already. One of the things that we're covering in uh, chapter five is all about uh, intention and clarity and focus in the work that we do as human-centered designers or human-centered leaders. And I wrote a chapter on this because especially when we're working in organizations that are quite complex and we're working on services or strategies that are dealing with really complex issues we have to hold lots of moving parts in our minds at the same time and that's you know why systems thinking and human-centered design are such a you know beautiful partnership and at the same time because we're holding all this complexity and we're also holding a whole bunch of ambiguity uh, and uncertainty We can sometimes lose our way in that. We can get a little bit too in our heads, a little bit too thinky and get into a pattern of overthinking and then we lose, you know, our clarity. And so this whole chapter has covered frameworks and uh, techniques on how to maintain that sense of clarity and focus through working with really complex systems. And now we're about to delve into distractions and I think another part of why, you know, I've written about the things I've written about is obviously, you know, Captain Obvious Statement, this is stuff I'm interested in, but also I'm really interested in flow states and, you know, high-performing teams and people doing amazing work. So one of those things is about being able to uh, gracefully deal with distractions. So let's, let's work out how to do that, shall we? Page 141, Dealing with Distractions. Make it a part of your practice to ask these simple questions. If any of the answers are no, you're dealing with a distraction. All right, question one. Will it help us achieve our outcome? Sometimes suggestions will be relevant to the design itself, but won't help achieve the outcome. Example, someone might suggest a new feature that has been made possible by new technology such as virtual reality headsets it might be possible but it may not achieve the outcome of helping the visually impaired navigate a market a supermarket um so the other thing that's important to note in 
you know, the language that I use in this book is that I'm quite deliberate about using the word, word outcome instead of output or objective. Outcome is very, and in the previous episode, um, if you haven't listened to it, it's worth listening to or revising. I go through the, the thinking framework where we actually define outcome and uh, and the difference between an outcome and an output. So an output is, an example of an output might be, you know, the artifact, the, the, the tangible result of the design action. So, you know, a new process, a journey map, a strategy, uh, whatever. And often what happens is we get focused on the outputs of our effort. But ultimately what we're trying to do is have an impact with that work. And, and that's why we use the word outcome. So what will that output actually enable in terms of an impact? So that's a really important question. When someone's suggesting that you busy yourself with an activity, if you're clear on the outcome that the project that you're working on is ultimately in service of, then it gives you a way to discern whether or not that effort is actually going to be uh, propelling the design forward or it's actually going to be a distraction. Um, Question two, is it in line with our purpose? A suggestion might be in line with the outcome, but incongruent with the purpose. Example, a suggestion might be to make back-end processes as efficient as possible to aid the rapid integration of displaced people into communities. However, more efficient processes might not improve people's quality of life if they are processed too quickly and placed in inappropriate accommodation, for example. Our question three, does it fit with our approach? A suggestion might be in line with the purpose and the outcome, but might require a completely different approach. Example, a suggestion might be to follow a more traditional consulting model to create a government service that integrates and displaces people into communities. This might achieve the outcome and be in line with the purpose, though the approach might not be human-centred and iterative in its execution. So I'm basically moving through the thinking framework, which is a two-by-two, quite deceptive in its simplicity. And I'm using it as a tool to be able to help me discern what I should prioritise in terms of my uh, design effort. I think it's really important for us to be conscious of our deliberate decision around which approach we're going to take. There's a, there's a talk that I give around the hidden commitments of human centricity. And the reason why I created that talk is because um, I've worked with many leaders in large organisations that have decided to be quite committed to transforming their organisation from being organisationally centred to customer-centred or human-centred. Uh, and there's a lot of implicit commitments that leadership makes when they make that decision. And I wanted to surface some of those hidden commitments because when we decide on an approach, we need to constantly review the decisions that we're making and make sure that the way that we're going about doing things, the actions that we're taking are actually uh, honoring the decision that we made around the approach to take for this project. For example, if the approach is to be human-centered, then what we're committing to is not automatically trading off between organizational priorities and human priorities. What we're saying is 
by taking a human-centered approach, we're always going to strive for the end scenario. We're not going to strive for the or scenario. So that's why question three is really important because you may be directed to take your work in a direction that looks aligned to purpose and looks aligned to outcome, but may not necessarily be honoring the approach that you collectively decided to take. So that's a really important one. And it's very subtle. A lot of this stuff is really subtle, but powerful. Okay, question four. Can we do it in the time we have left? What can be achieved within the time without compromising your intended outcome? This is the most pragmatic of all questions. Example, there may be suggestions that are aligned with your purpose, outcome and approach, but cannot be implemented in the remaining time. If this is the case, it might be worth asking the question a little differently and using your creative problem-solving skills. How might you alter the work so you can get this done in the time that you have left? So one of the things that I often remind people in this field about is that, you know, they've chosen to become a human-centered designer or a human-centered leader because they're interested in solving complex challenges in creative ways. And that, you know, that mindset, that mentality, that skill set can be applied to any problem, including the project running out of time. We seem sometimes I see a separation between these tools and this way of thinking is, you know, reserved for the project in terms of the outcomes that the project's trying to to achieve or is in self, and we don't apply that creativity and problem solving to the more mundane challenges that all projects face which is you know stakeholder management or time constraints or cost constraints or you know resource constraints so I invite you to always always be designing (laughs) is that a t-shirt maybe it's a t-shirt all right so over the page we have a quote your energy and effort will flow where your attention goes. So this is why um, we spend so much time uh, talking about clarity and focus and distractions because it does take a lot of energy to be able to do this work, especially if you're working in sort of sensitive contexts. And so we do need to get really, really good at establishing our discernment around where to direct our attention. Okay, page 143, energy and will. With well-formed ideas, you can become immersed in the details of the idea itself, focusing on its specific constraints and how you're going to deliver it. The conversation becomes more about what and how rather than who and why. Your meaning is always held in who you were designing for and why you were doing it in the first place. To what end, for what impact, for what outcome. Your energy will start to wane if you become bogged down in the details of the how and when and lose connection to the meaning of your work. Sometimes when you are busy delivering, it looks tedious and meaningless. Your daily routine may be to attend meeting after meeting with people who don't see the work the way you do, who are not driven to do impactful work or who really don't understand the difference. This can be quite demotivating and you might feel like you've lost your way especially if doing meaningful work is directly tied to your personal values, which it often is. You need to create a mechanism that allows you to pop up from these important details and take another huge breath as you connect with the outcome and purpose so you can then deep dive and keep delivering. 
The very practice of doing this requires your will, as the details of the design can be captivating, time critical, and all consuming. So this is, you know, it's a bit of a nod to the very famous Simon Sinek. Um, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it or something. Uh, you know, purpose for creative people especially is really important to keep them motivated. I have seen the energy of really brilliant minds get sapped by the tedium of complex delivery in uh, long, on long-term projects in complex organizations where they're coming up against the bureaucracy and the red tape and the you know legacy systems day in day out and it's really uh, easy to just see that and only that and forget that perhaps what you're actually doing is enabling the future of a family so the ability to be able to just take pause and to just take a breath and reconnect with okay why am I actually doing this what is this ultimately in service of and then you know back straight shoulders back head high and you go again okay attention and effort your attention will be on what you're focusing on there's a Nobel Prize winning statement for you this might sound very obvious, but we often aren't aware what we are focusing on. It might be something you find really interesting. It might be your research or it might be the actual design. This is fine if it's in line with the outcomes of your work, but sometimes you can get diverted by interesting insights that aren't directly relevant. For example, we often see relationships between insights that lead to the creation of a framework that more deeply describes the interrelationship of the human behaviors we have observed. We could spend a lot of time defining and describing that framework, but this doesn't directly address what the service or strategy ought to be for our client. It is important to be disciplined about monitoring what is pulling your attention, but don't ignore those irrelevant, interesting things either. You never know when they might come in handy. So I guess what I'm saying there is, you know, because of the way that you know, our minds, people who are drawn to this type of practice, you know, we're inherently curious humans and we're really fascinated by human behavior and, and why people are the way that they are and, you know, endlessly fascinating creatures. And so when we've done our research and we've got all of the insights and we start seeing connections between things, you know, it's very, very normal and very, very easy <laughs> to go down a rabbit hole and just kind of, you know, have a vacation there for a while which is really fun and you always always learn something but it might not actually be relevant to what you're there to deliver so it's a really important discipline to be able to have that self-awareness around what has your attention and there's a there's a, a drawing that I've drawn on page 144 which you know has a the practitioner you know playing with a framework uh, and above it I've written what has your attention and then on the right hand side there's you know a journey map or something and, and what I've written above that is what needs your focus so it's really important to have that practice <laughs> I'm laughing because you know I've been there another thing to be aware of is how much energy an idea is using up if there's something that is taking a lot of effort for you to sense make group cohesively with other findings or explain its relevance, then perhaps you're manufacturing something that isn't actually there. 
Sometimes you desperately want to find something because if you did, it would be interesting to write and talk about. Sometimes you put too much effort into it and end up conjuring it into existence. Findings that are strong, resolved and real don't take a lot of effort to sense make. It's true, actually, they kind of scream at you. And I always know I just get this feeling, you know, when I'm really pushing something <laughs> because I may, I may have got an idea about what I might find and I'm kind of, you know, hunting around and scratching around trying to find it and but it's just not there and it feels like I'm pushing something. Yeah. At other times, we are so busy looking under couches and between cracks in the bricks that we don't notice the Mona Lisa right in front of our noses. We excavate and explore bizarre associations when in fact the key insight is simple and clear, staring us right in the face. Sometimes when the insight is so simple, we think it can't be that and keep looking. The key is to be mindful of how much energy things are taking. All right. Well, I'm actually, that's a good spot to leave it because then we're going to go into um, things around discipline and, and that sort of thing. But I just want to elaborate on that final point as well. Because we're working most of the time, we're working on complex scenarios, human scenarios that are, you know, challenging and, and hard to pin down and difficult to put into a box and you know that doesn't necessarily need to be our objective but working with humans is typically a complex pursuit and we sometimes think that the answer needs to be as equally complex and equally nuanced and um, really sort of clever and you know I really urge you to practice simplicity as much as you can in your uh, synthesis of your research because ultimately what we want to do is create something that's really insightful and simple and elegant so that the people who are going to be working with the results of our design effort will be able to do something meaningful with it if we think in really complex ways and look for really sort of clever solutions sometimes it does our work a disservice so if you want to dive a little bit deeper into the content, there's a whole bunch of free stuff for you over at thishuman.com. If you're wanting to explore working uh, with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can go over to melissanova.com and check out the options there. And as always, thank you for listening and I'll be with you next week. Take care. Bye.